Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hapner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cuno. So I have to tell you both, I picked up another hobby just to add to my list. Because you have more time. But this hobby kind of wasn't by choice. Golf. Oh, I love golf. Uh, Yeah, see, I've never golfed in my life. And this summer, this... I golfed in my first like tournament and we actually got first place. Oh my God. Really? Beginner's luck. Yeah. Well, my boyfriend Johnny is like a huge golfer. Was it a scramble? It was, but we used some of okay. my shots, okay? <laughs> we did. We did. We used some of my shots. I, really? Yeah. I was very shocked. It's hard though because I played like softball and baseball my whole life. So to go from that to like. A very different swing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like there was some times where I was like, doing a combination of both swings. I was like, whoa. This like, is- this is your first time ever playing golf? Yeah, I've only done, like, putt-putt. Was it all par three, or was it par fives? Or- there were some par fives. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I you. didn't know, though, like, how much equipment you needed to golf. It's, like, a very, like... It's an expensive hobby. Yeah, I was yeah. like... Golf clubs what? are not cheap, nor is just going to the golf course. No, and then you have to wear, like... Certain outfits. Well, we obviously, have, you have to have a cute outfit to go golfing. Yeah. That's half of it. And we did, like, matching sort of outfits, like the same color scheme. Obviously. I was of like, this is very expensive <laughs> hobby. But, I mean, yeah. I do really enjoy golf. My grandma was a huge golfer, and my grandpa still is. Um, and, go- I mean, we've been golfing since we were little. My kids, actually, even my grandpa made them little clubs. So he, like, cuts them in oh, half and then, gosh. you know, puts the little... Uh, thing on them. So my kids have had golf clubs well since they were born too. So it's just been a fun sport that we've always played. But golf is a really nice like lifelong sport. You know, like you like football. You kind of grow out of playing football, but golf you can play. You know, my grandpa is, oh gosh, is he? I think he's eighty seven, um, and he still plays every day. He also has macular degeneration. Yeah. He's legally blind. Um, so he golfs with his buddies, but he still goes out every day. He uses a very um, bright metallic colored ball that okay. helps him. Um, but of course, you can work on a different ball that's going to work for you. And then his buddies really help him. So he goes out with his friends and they, you know, tell him where his ball is and where he's got to aim. And he, it's his hobby. Yeah, he does it every single day. He absolutely loves it. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine him not playing golf. <laughs> I, I'll just you mean, stick with people putt, putt. do golf, golf for life. That means, like, because Johnny's a big golfer, that means I'm going to have to yeah, no, it's play not golf for life. Yeah, for sure. Well, if I end up staying with him. Oh, my God. Are <laughs> oh we still gosh. questioning that? Johnny. Johnny, Johnny listens. On. He's like an avid listener. <laughs> I feel like I'm a bigger Johnny than you are. you are. He always tells me when he listens, he's like, you know, I really like Leslie. Obviously, because <laughs> I'm the one supporting you. I'm holding this relationship together. I'm just kidding. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Without you, we would not be together. Right? I'm just well, I mean, he did beat you in the race. Timothy, yeah. um, so you play putt putt then? Do you have you played putt putt recently? Does Glacier uh, like to putt putt? I, I used to like it. I, I would like to try it, see if I could still do it. Yeah. I think I would have to have my wife put her put the uh, her putter where the hole is, and I can just try to aim, I guess. But um, I, I wonder how they could make a an adaptive putt putt course. That would be kind of cool. Putt putt would be really difficult because those courses are so crazy and they have like all those weird loops and bumps and everything. But yeah. you can always put a so- sound source in the, the hole. Like, say you have an idea have where it is. Have a bigger hole too, probably. There you yeah. go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you can absolutely make any sort of sport adaptive. Um, and that is one of the things we do at camp is try to make different sports and hobbies 
adaptive so that kids can go back home and then do it. So like yoga, for example, is something that you can do very easily with or without vision. Um, And it's really good for your core strength and your balance and body awareness and all of that. Um, and that's something that we've incorporated to camp the last couple of years, but yeah. something they can go home and do. And we did it one time at Leader Dog. We did as well. Yeah. I remember that. That was fun. Look at us. I would, like, I would like to see uh, somebody play the beep kickball. That oh, would be cool. We did. We played beep kickball for camp one year. And honestly, it was so much fun. So much fun. I think, again, the instructors may have had a little bit more fun than the campers did, but they were so good at it. But there's beat baseball, there's goalball, there's, I mean, there are so many different things. People play hockey, they go skiing, they do, I mean, you name it, everybody's doing everything. So there are leagues down here in Georgia for that beat kickball. I mean, there's serious about it down there. Yeah, Yeah. they're definitely growing, which is very cool. And it's nice to, most of those sports, it's an even playing field. So most times you have to, like everybody is blindfolded or, you know, it's, it just makes it a little bit easier or fairer, I guess you would say maybe for everybody, but it's, it's a good time. Highly recommend anybody if they get an opportunity to give it a shot and play. Awesome. Well, good luck with your golf journey. Uh, Christina, I can't wait to follow along and good luck to Johnny, honestly. Johnny, Johnny, we're rooting for you. Uh. (laughs) Um, But today we are very excited about our guest and learning more about his experience with Leader Dog and the public. Yes, Jeff Hawkins had a successful career in the paramedic industry for over 30 years, and he represents Leader Dog as a keynote speaker and has addressed thousands of people, organizations, clubs, and associations. Jeff, it's great to have you on the podcast. I met you last year up at Leader Dog, and you're an amazing man. But can you tell us a little bit more about your life before you started losing your vision? Absolutely. Uh, Good to hear from you again, Timothy, and and thanks for having me on, guys. And by the way, uh, uh, I'm playing in an outing for Leader Dog at the end of the month, and Christina is uh, on our foursome. So uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. She says she, says she won her won her uh, event yesterday, so we're, we're expecting big things. <laughs> it was scratch. Did you coordinate your outfits yet? Because that's yeah. obviously no. going to be top on the list. You know, here. I did ask Stephen and Dave, the other two people playing with us. I walked in. I said, "It's Caddyshack theme. Are we uh, matching outfits?" <laughs> oh God, I can't. I wait. could put a skirt on, but I'm not shaving my legs. Anyways, yeah, uh, listen, uh, thank you. And uh, I've always been a a very social person, outgoing, uh, um, sort of a uh, self-proclaimed adrenaline junkie, if you will. Uh, Just just love to live my life. I was always somewhat outspoken, uh, very egotistical at a a young age, and uh, really... uh, uh, Probably a downside was uh, I was a lot about me, 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 and uh, these were all things that were prior to my my vision loss. But uh, basically, you're just a happy-go-lucky guy. Didn't pay a lot of attention in school. Wish I would have, because I could have done better. I know, but uh, just living life uh, and uh, just grabbing every bit of it that I could. That's amazing. I love your uh, your own definition of yourself. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> self-critical, but also so great. Like, it's great to reflect and, and understand and, and recognize, too, that you change, right? Absolutely. So many life events and, and things happen that really do change your whole outlook on life. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like experiencing vision loss and what that journey was like for you? Yeah, it was uh, it was really a, a big hard slap in the face, if you will. I mean, obviously, it's not something anybody uh, expects uh, when when they begin begin life. Um, 
But uh, I, I went in for my driver's license test when I was in my early 20s. I'd just come out of school uh, uh, with my uh, credentials to st- uh, start begin working in emergency medicine, and I couldn't uh, pass the uh, driver's license test. And I didn't have any, any uh, inkling that I had vision problems at that time, but obviously I, <clears throat> I did. And so, um, yeah, it was quite a shocker. And uh, that's course of six months or so, uh, uh, lots of specialists and testings as they talked about some really pretty bad things. And uh, ultimately, they settled on a disease called Stargardt disease. And and it is a form of macular degeneration. It's a a juvenile form. It's not the age-related leaky vessel kind that most people are familiar with. And, uh, you know, I was told you're going to begin to lose your sight. And uh, so over the course of the next... uh, 20, 25 years, that, that's exactly what happened. And, and that journey uh, um, was really quite incredible as I transformed from sighted to legally blind from uh, this happy, positive, uh, go-get-it kind of guy to uh, just to a point, total, total darkness, uh, depressive days, like what the heck's going on with my life? So, um, yeah, it was really an incredible journey. And I feel like I have popped out the other side, and and uh, I'm a much better person, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. So when you uh, you were going to be a paramedics, and then you recognized that you had vision problems, what's interesting too is hearing from people who had no idea that they had a vision condition, right? Like your whole life, you had probably been adapting and just assumed that's what everybody saw. Uh, until somebody told you, no, it's different, right? Like you don't see like everybody else sees. That that's very true. And 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 once I learned that I had a problem, you know, a few years later, I could I could look back and uh, I could remember things, uh, you know, uh, driving wise, whether it be in the ambulance or just personally in my car, uh, and and like, oh well, that's that's why I almost hit that car, or that's why I almost did that, and. Yeah. And just different things that, uh, dif- different difficulties that I would have uh, that it didn't really put much thought into, but really was quite apparent there there were some issues. Absolutely. Yeah. We've had people on the podcast too with um, children. Yes. And we've asked them, you know, like, how did you know, right? Be- and it's like minor little things, right? Like we used to, they thought that their um, daughter was just super clumsy, right? She just, she ran into things all the time. She just tripped yeah. over stairs all the time. And you just think, oh, she's just clumsy. And yeah. then she went in for an eye appointment and found out, you know, she had RP or whatnot. But it happens, right? And especially too, from my experience, when I talk to clients who have experienced vision loss kind of growing up or in the younger years, you just don't know any different, right? So it impacts you so much differently versus somebody who loses vision later in life, who's yeah. had perfect vision their whole life. The impact is very, very different. And the experience is very, very different. Okay. So you're losing your vision. Uh, you're a paramedic. How did that all play out? What happened there? Well, I had, uh, uh, the, the good thing about that Stargardt disease is that it's a slow progressing disease. So I was told I would have several years, which I did. And and so I was able to have a successful career. Um, um, You know, my vision didn't really impact uh, the job or the job performance at all until later on, maybe about 20, 20, about 20 years in. That's when uh, um, I realized that uh, um, things were getting to the point now that uh, I could probably no longer do this job safely. I was 
relying a lot on my uh, my partners and and help around me to read certain things. I mean, you yeah. realize we're using small medication vials with very small writing, and and uh, these are things that would literally kill somebody if mm-hmm. you give the wrong dose or the, yeah. the wrong type kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, I, I knew that I had a, a early retirement coming, and uh, um, it, it definitely was the first breaking straw uh, uh, in my whole journey into this stuff. And uh, it was it was killer because I, I had to I had to quit. You know, I joke when I speak about uh, you know, last thing somebody wants uh, when they call nine one one is their paramedic to walk in the dog walk in the door with a seeing eye dog in his left hand so <laughs> not not going to go over too well but um uh, I, I did i did retire and uh um you know things sort of began their down downward uh, spiral at that time and, and remember I, i'm talking i worked uh in the uh, uh early 80s uh through about 2001 and there was not a lot of um, a disability reform. Mm-hmm. Well, there was, but it, it uh, even more so uh, uh, back then uh, was not being adhered to. So to get accommodations, to, mm-hmm. you know, my struggles were, were pretty rough. So I yeah. really had to find myself uh, uh, faking at times and, yeah. and, and adapting by, yeah. yes, I see that. Yes, I can do that. You know, that kind of things. So it was a, it was a tough road. Yeah. And how did, I guess, after, you know, you retired all of that, how did you find Leader Dog if there wasn't really, you know, that knowledge out there from, you know, your eye doctor or anything? I was, uh, I only live about uh, eight or nine miles from the campus. So I was aware that Leader Dog was there. I was under the impression, as most people are, that uh, um, anytime you see somebody with a dog or a cane, that person is totally blind, mm-hmm. right? And I feel, I still think that perspective is out there, that people... They can't call leader dog because they're not blind. That's what the way I thought of myself. I just mm-hmm. thought of myself. I can't see, but I'm not blind. Boy, was I was I wrong? But um, as my life began to spiral a little more, um, one day I got online and I began watching the YouTube videos from Leader Dog, and I watched the one from uh, from uh, Lenny, uh, the um, where where he's sitting in the restaurant uh, one day. And the guy said, why ain't you got a dog? And I don't know if you all have seen that one. I haven't, but no. I'm going to be looking it up now. You, you should. It's really, uh, um, it's called Independence Day because I think he got his dog either right around the 4th of July or something. But um, it really was an incredible uh, uh, a video, and, and it actually brought uh, tears to my eyes. And I said, that's it. And, of course, my wife is uh, about sick of me at that point too, uh, the brunt of a lot of anger and frustrations that I was going through. And I made the call and, and I, and I like, Oh, okay. I don't have to be totally blind. So yeah, yeah that's how I, that's how I found y'all. Timothy, I'm curious, did you have that perception too, or an idea that like you couldn't get a guide dog or you didn't need a cane or anything like that because you still had some remaining vision? Well, of course. Yeah. Cause I mean, blind to probably like me and Jeff, you just can't see anything. And to find out if you're legally blind, you do uh, qualify for a dog or the O&M training at Leader Dog. And they that's what's great about it. And I, I'm glad I went one so I could kind of ease into the, all this instead of all of a sudden, you know, waiting and waiting. And I'm glad I found you guys when I did. So I'm uh, just talking and I'm hearing the same story in my head. That's exactly what I went through. Yeah. Isn't that funny how that works? I mean, the, <laughs> yeah, the circumstances are different for all for all of us, yet. 
that journey is so similar. You know, it's just yeah. bizarre. And that is one thing. I don't know how to break that myth. That is like something that we are working on all the time is people understanding that they deserve and qualify for these services. That I mean, I f- it feels like we're screaming it from the rooftops. But yeah. like you said, we're still letting people know that services even exist, let alone like who qualifies for them or how to get to them. You know, blind rehab is something. It's a very, very small field that not many people even know is available. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, like you both have said, you didn't think to yourself that you were blind. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, we have to figure out a way to tell people what blindness actually is. Because mm-hmm. I'll be completely honest, before I started working at Leader Dog, I thought most people were completely blind mm-hmm. or only saw like, you know, very little or shapes or whatever it may be. So um, I even thought that before I even started working here. So And we talk about, too, like vision's tricky and it can be really hard for family members or friends to understand, you know, why you can see something one day and you can't see something the next day or even in the same day, but with different lighting or whatever it is. Eyes are so tricky. Did you have a hard time navigating those conversations with your family and friends about your vision? You know, not maybe not so much with family because they love me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, honestly, with with friends and, and, and the public and different things, you know, very much so, because you're, you're right. I mean, I, I still play hockey a couple of days a week and I almost felt in the beginning, like I shouldn't even be telling people like this. Cause they're going to say, Oh, well, you're not blind then mm-hmm. yet. I am blind. So, I mean, it's just, it doesn't matter what you do. Um, it's like the public expects that you can't do any of this. And if you can, then and then you're not blind. So I don't know, you know, one, one person at a time, unfortunately, that that's where we're still at to, to get the word out there. But um, hopefully that will change. Yeah. I think, you know, like you talked about in the eighties, things were different and the perception and understanding of disabilities in general was different and it is changing. The tune is changing, you know? Um, And I think that's obviously for the best. And I'm excited to see where the future goes as far as different rehab uh, options go, as far as people's perceptions and stereotypes go. I think, you know, the younger generations too are really working towards that. And especially there's so many initiatives right now uh, pushing forward and letting people know that just because you have a disability, you absolutely can do everything maybe just a little bit differently. Um, So I think, you know, we're heading in the right direction, but we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah. So So, you found Leader Dog. Oh, go ahead, Timothy. Okay. I was going to ask Jeff. I heard, I know he does a lot of speaking engagements for Leader Dog. How did he get involved in that? Oh, well, probably the same way you did, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I I did an exit interview with, I think it was Rochelle. Yeah. Yeah. she said, "Hey, you live close. Would you would you mind if we ever called you?" And and I, it's something I've always done, you know, in my profession. Uh, uh, you know, c- communication was a big aspect of my job, which you might imagine. And and uh, and when I got into the management things, I was uh, able to. Uh, I did a lot of public speaking presentations, those kind of things. So it was something I was comfortable with, and I said, "Absolutely." And it, uh, I think it was only a couple months uh, home with the, with Gracie, my first guide dog, when uh, Mike Dengate called and said, hey, I'm going to Grand Rapids for a, I don't know, it was a regional kind of meeting of some sort, but there was a couple hundred uh, lions there. And uh, I got up there and I did my thing and, and Mike said, oh my gosh, that was pretty good. Would you do it again? And <laughs> <laughs> and basically the phone has been ringing ever since. Yeah. So, but it's fantastic. I, I, I love it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things you do is harness the power of leadership, mm-hmm. which, which is for corporations and that sort of stuff. I think that's also a way that we can help break that barrier is having speakers like you, Jeff, and you, Timothy, kind of go out and share your experiences and, um, you know, get the word out there. I think one of the best things that I observe uh, from many of our speakers is one, you give some comic relief, right? Like you make a situation that's really hard and challenging and can be very scary, obviously, but you give it a little bit of comic relief so that people feel comfortable and all of a sudden they forget that you're blind or visually impaired. They start asking those questions that they want to know, but they totally forget and it gives them, they leave feeling like, oh yeah, like he was blind, but like he was just a normal guy. And like you said, it's one person at a time doing that. That's really good. That's that's really good. To, I like hearing that because you're you're exactly right. And really, that's my speaking is kind of from that perspective, whether it be sarcastic or mm-hmm. um, comedic kind of stuff. And and that's my goal to walk out of the room. I feel good if I've made a crowd laugh and get up or give a standing ovation or, or be happy, you know, and realize that wow, okay. This is, uh, I can talk to the next blind guy I see or girl I see. I can say hello, you know, because right now it's uh, most people are like, whoa, get out of the way. Here they come. (laughs) Yeah, right. You changed it. So then the next time they see somebody, absolutely. Well, you and Timothy and many of our speakers do that. You guys do an excellent job of conveying your story, showing the emotion, showing how difficult of a journey it can be, but that you can do it on the other end, right? Like there's relief. And that's one of the things I always talk about too. Like if we're doing a blindfold walk experience or a cane walk, my hope is that the takeaway is not, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for people who are blind, but that, oh my gosh, yeah, I could do this. I could see how you could absolutely use these mobility devices or different tools and get around independently. And if they didn't walk away with that feeling, then I'm right, I've failed the mission. Because uh, it's really important that we're portraying empowerment and independence. Um, I think that's just a huge thing of Leader Dog because we do believe in the mission and what we're doing. Yeah, you know, there's been times that uh, mostly probably with the Lions group, uh, uh, large groups that on campus there that come in. And sometimes I, I hear this stuff and I hear the comments back from people that we're speaking to, whether it be Lions or not. And, and I get a sense that they're looking at the blind community with pity right? Mm-hmm. And they're just their comments back like, oh my gosh, that's so sad. And this, and there are times that I've stood up and say, wait a minute, yeah. you know, I want you to understand that this help is fantastic. This organization is fantastic. Yes, it makes people unstoppable and move forward, but we, we're not looking for pity, you know, and, and I try and break that barrier too. There's yeah. so much to do. Yeah, I know. I know. And the exciting thing is, though, is all of those Lions people, all of the other people sitting in the audience, they came to learn more. They did. Right? Like they came out of a positive place and they're supporting our mission. So we couldn't do it without them. So it is great that we get these opportunities to sit in front of them and really show them what we do and why we do it and the impact it has on people's lives. Um, So we definitely, you know... I, you and Timothy and, again, all of our speakers just do an amazing job of sharing your story and your experience. But yes. what is one of your, like, favorite presentations to give or experiences that you like to participate in? Oh, my gosh. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know that I necessarily have a favorite. I mean, I, I have, I, I'm, it's just been across the board now, whether it be a, a, a one-on-one with, with maybe a, a Melissa Weiss or somebody with a, with a pers- perspective of, donor or VIP donor, if you will, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. 
uh, right up to, uh, you know, large corporate uh, kind of events or, uh, you know, the HPL. I love doing the HPL. I, I've done commercials and did some work with Ford uh, uh, when the um, electric vehicle first came in, making sure, uh, you know, people knew how important it was that these cars had to make noise. So, I mean, yeah. just really across the board. But I, I, I'm probably not going to lie when I when I say I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm an adrenaline junkie. And, <laughs> and if I can if I can get up on a stage like say I don't know say like you're all you're 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 the dinner in the dark uh-huh. when I'm in front of five six hundred people when I can get a crowd involved and laughing and clapping. Yeah, I walk out of there going, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's as good as any drug you can do yeah. for me, you know. And, and, uh, so, but but I, I love it all. I love to, I've met so many beautiful people across this country in the last dozen, year, uh, uh, dozen years and uh, have made so many connections. And I know that uh, I've helped raise a, lot, raise a lot of money for the organization, which I love. Um, but most importantly, uh, to me, it, is is three things, and that is the uh, spreading awareness for Leader Dog for the Blind so maybe potential people will come in and get the help, raising funds, obviously, but just advocating for the blind community that we we don't sit on the corner with our white canes and our tin cups collecting nickels, right? Mm -hmm. We're out there living our lives. So I can get that message to one person or a a room of six, seven, eight hundred. It's it's all good. That's Amazing. And we are so thankful for what our speakers do, because if we went out and said all this stuff, I mean, we would not make the impact that you are, both you and Timothy are able to make. They so don't want to hear from you. No, yeah, they, they don't. don't have trust me. Trust me. They, yeah. trust me. they hear my voice way too much. Yeah. I don't want to hear yeah. from me. I mean, it, 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 and I've said that from, from day one, the yeah. first couple of times I spoke to to everybody in any seat of power in that organization yeah. is, is look, you need to stop this and you need to get more client involvement. Yeah. You need to get a client at every, we should be at every line meeting. We should be at every corporate event. Yes. We should be, because honestly, I, I see the impact that I have and I've seen, I saw the way <laughs> Timothy impacted the crowd when he spoke at uh, uh, last summer. I mean, I, I see what yeah. uh, uh, some of us can do. Well, absolutely. And plus we have, we know what happens in class, but we haven't been in class. We haven't had the experiences you guys have all had um, to be able to share that. So I think that's amazing. And I know you you know what the big thing is, you're not blind. Mm -hmm. That is, Yeah. yeah. And I've I've said that along too, is that uh, this place is great. They have all the experts. They have all the information. They can give you these dogs. They can teach you. They can teach you. And you should listen to everything they say and everything they do. But at the end of the day, just remember they're not blind. And, And it's, it's a, it's a barrier that you can't cross unless you're going to poke your eyes. I, I can, you know, it's just not going to happen, but. Um. Yes. And I and think that's such a good point. That is exactly why it's so important too, that we really encourage people to come to campus when they can is to just build that support network, yes. really yes. meet other people that are going through the same things that can relate. Like I say it all the time and I know I talk about camp, but like that's my favorite takeaway from camp is when a camper has another phone number that they can call and the person on the other end just gets it. Yeah. Right. Because you're right. We can support as much as we possibly can. We can give additional resources, but the best thing we can do is just help make connections. You're you're not kidding. I mean, nothing gives me more joy, honestly, than say if I'm, uh, oh, I don't know, I was in Texas a a couple years ago and and met a a young lady uh, that she wasn't young, but uh, a lady that needed help, and I talked to her, and then um, I got a call from somebody at Leader Dog, I don't know, three, four months later, and said, you're never going to guess 
who's here. <laughs> oh, you know, man. so I mean, those, yeah. those are, that's just fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. And I know you said, I, we have to end with this question because you said you're an adrenaline junkie. So what are some hobbies that you continue to do? I know you've mentioned some, but. Yeah. Um, well, basically I quit doing everything until I, I left this organization and, and got the guts to start living my life again. But you're right. I do still play hockey. I do play golf. Uh, um, yes, I need a, a, a somebody to give me my yardage and tell me what's in front of me and make fun of me and tell me my balls in the woods if I'm <laughs> if I'm beating them. Uh, but um, uh, uh, Linda and I uh, go out west uh, just about every every spring and, and ski in the Rockies and and I ski with a guide and uh, but I'll I'll take on the blues and the blacks and I, you know there aren't little bumps you know there's I'll go through the trees if I got somebody to follow. Um, I'm an avid water skier. Um, um, I like to hike, and uh, you know we we are blessed enough to live on a lake here in, in uh, Oakland County, and uh, so boating, jet skiing. Um, yeah, blind guy on a jet ski. I'm not sure, but I, I, usually, <laughs> I don't usually like to tell that story. But you know, I'll get out there, and, and I, I'm uh, you know people know that I can't see, whether it be uh, Linda or my son, and he'll he'll stop and he goes, hey, you know, there's a paddleboarder out there, and I said, thanks, you know. But um, basically, I, they say you got a hundred, you got you got a hundred square yards. Have fun, and and that's I'd like to just spin and shoot and jump, anyways, and. So whether it be that or or Lynn and I have been doing some uh, wilderness backpack, uh, excuse me, backpacking where we throw you know thirty pounds on our back and head into the woods for a couple nights. Uh, uh, really, really, I nothing nothing is. I, I won't not do anything at this point because of my blindness, and to me that just shows uh, the world who we are. And I'm glad I got the guts to not be afraid to let people know that I can do these things. Because isn't it funny in the very beginning, I, I was afraid to tell anybody that mm -hmm. because yeah. they're going to think, well, wait, you're blind, but so you're not blind or you're blind. And that perception is still there, but I just don't care anymore. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today yeah. and sharing your story. Yeah. Um, and we're excited. We're going to be talking with your wife soon. Yeah. Uh, so everybody stay tuned for that as we're going to get her perspective. But thank you again for joining us. Yeah, sure. Thanks, guys. And thank you so much to our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cuno and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed hearing about Jeff and his experiences. Please join us again next time as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. If you'd like to learn more about applying to our free services at LeaderDog, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.